Hello and welcome to another edition of the TetraCast Extra Edition. Um, this is a bit of a you know outshoot outlier episode uh, recorded at the end of the year, uh, 2016. Uh, there's gonna be just a little you know a little something for you guys uh, before the year ends. Uh, we have a Falcom holiday special here with two very special guests. I am your host Josh Torres, and joining me for this is Kirsten from Endless the Headless History uh, Falcom fan site, uh, better known as OMG Floofy to the community. Hello, how are you guys today? <laughs> and <laughs> we also have Guan, uh, who uh, is better known in the community uh, as the founder header of the Kiseki Wikia. Hello, thank you for having me. Thank you, thank you, both of you, to joining us today. Of course, before we get into the real meat and bones here for the Falcom shareholder meeting, um, let's, you know, Christmas has just ended, holidays are still ongoing and whatnot. Uh, what have you guys been up to? What have you guys been doing? How are your holidays? Let's start with you, uh, Floofy. Um, I have been with my parents for the past few days, so I've been away from my PlayStation 4, but um, when I left, I was crashing motorcycles and watchdogs too and causing general mayhem in it and i had just finished the last guardian or in some cases people will assume that i broke the last guardian somewhere since that's my thing apparently i know you've been uh you know kind of a little bit infamous for any game you stream you kind of you know turn it like game upside down really good for QA. Somehow, <laughs> somehow apparently it's 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 the flu fitting is real uh on Watch Dogs 2 have you have you played the first one or you just did you just come into this one fresh I actually loved the first game oh really I yeah. was with all of its quirks and everything I had despite all of its quirks really I had so much fun with that game I just was like okay come on let's do this and I have been having even more fun with 2 so 2 is phenomenal for oh, really? me mm -hmm. and I I actually started a gang war in the game, trying to get into a place and and sending off gangs to kill a guard inside the <laughs> area. And next thing you know, there's a giant shootout going on in there, and I'm just like, waltz again, like, do, 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 do. don't pay attention to me, I'm just stealing this truck. Nice. <laughs> it was pretty great. It, it The mayhem is glorious. I love it. Is that your just your main approach? So you just like call up a gang to do your the uh, like why you why you infiltrate and everything? Yeah, basically, that's one thing you can do is you can call in a gang and they can come in and start a gunfight with the guards that you're trying to get past. And so it, it turns into sheer mayhem because it becomes a three way brawl in a sense because the gang members don't like you either. <laughs> so. It's but they usually get so focused on getting their target. So if you take their if you find a guard in the middle of what you're trying to infiltrate and set them as a target for the gang, mm -hmm. the gang will come in and just plow through and come after that target. And it is the best thing. And it was like I was just sitting there like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do here. Oh, 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 okay. And I just sent gang member after gang member after gang member and I'm just like <laughs> I just get in, and I was supposed to get into the middle of the area, get a truck and drive out. <laughs> and I just get in and I just start and of course I'm no longer paying attention to who's out right. there shooting each other, so I randomly hit people on the way out and just go driving away. Just like bye guys, I'll see you later. 
Bye. You mentioned motorcycle crashes earlier. <laughs> mm-hmm. Go on. Um, my, uh, one of my regulars on my stream is just like, oh, God, she's got a motorcycle. Get away. Um, I have, I think my most infamous crash in the first Watch Dogs is I'm plowing through at top speed in the middle of Chicago. And I swerve around a car to get around it. And hit a bench and go flying like oh, no. a block. <laughs> <laughs> the motorcycle, I could never find the motorcycle again. I, I have I eventually tracked down the bench that I hit and I was like, I hate you. So as soon as I got the motorcycle in the second game, I go, it didn't even take a minute before I had a crash. I went and I flew right into a, a one of those little trucks that has like a little advertisement sign on it. And it was so funny because Marcus did this fancy little hop off the motorcycle and rolled on the ground and got right back up. And I'm just like, <laughs> well, that's pretty, that, that was, that was pretty graceful. It was, I mean, people in chat were like, wow. <laughs> and, but then within 30 minutes of that, I hit a, a street sign and went flying motorcycle in one direction, me in the other direction. It was just like, okay. And, and then I think the other one I have up on my Twitter is I'm cha- I'm going into a PvP event because it's really cool because the player, the online stuff integrates seamlessly into the regular game. Okay. And so all of a sudden you get like there's a there's a invasion event going on and you're like, what? And so you look up and there's, a, there's another player that's highlighted green because they're on your side and they're chasing after a hacker that invaded them. And you can actually jump in and join them and help them corner that hacker so they can catch them. And it just seamlessly shows up on the map while you're playing. It's really cool. And uh, so how many oh, players ahead. can how many players can uh, participate in this? Like, like, is there like a, a set cap or anything? Or you I, I haven't seen one. I mean, I know mm-hmm. co-op can be up to two players where you can get a friend in and you can work together. So I think that's actually really cool. Um, but this guy, and so of course, this guy's pulling in police everywhere. So there's a police car going in, and I'm just like, I'm getting on my motorcycle and falling after this police car to catch up to them. And so I'm chasing along, and this police car suddenly swerves into the middle of the road, hits a trolley, goes oh, screening into me, and I slam right into the police car and went flying. <laughs> <laughs> it was just like, that was not my fault. <laughs> For I, once, I think that's a great. Like it has like uh, the second really up the the, the stupid open world shenanigans. I think that's like one of the oh best, uh, one of the strongest uh, things about it. That's that's the thing is, is I loved I loved Assassin's Creed for that reason. Mm-hmm. I I did so much stupid shit <laughs> in all the Ezio games. I I think there was one I was trying to get a trophy, so I actually kept. Uh, guards chasing Ezio for almost 20 minutes. Holy shit. By running back to one end, <laughs> turning around and running the other way. And I kept getting more and more guards. It was, oh, it was for the, the Mr. Sandman trophy where you have to actually throw dust into like five guards' faces at once. Huh. And so I kept gathering guards and I would turn around and throw sand in their face and it wouldn't get all of them. So I'd break through them and tear across the town with them chasing me. And I'd turn around and wait and throw sand in their faces. Crap. And it didn't get them. And I'd run all the way back again. It was just, it, it was just hilarity. Historically it accurate. That's definitely what Assassin's <laughs> did back then. <laughs> Absolutely. Maybe you should because. Floofs, maybe you should consider renaming yourself to Oh My God Shenanigans because everything you play just ends up in crazy shenanigans 
<laughs> Lord, I just everything over drink over that too. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm not sorry for that. <laughs> no, no, you're not. Making sure I didn't get anything on my dad's mic. <laughs> <laughs> my dad had to loan me his microphone since I'm not at home. Well, maybe oh, we can still hear you just fine. <laughs> okay, least. that's good. Yeah, yeah. Everything's still working on our end. Um, <laughs> and then you said you just finished and slash broke the last guardian. Well, I, I only broke it once. I got the I got Trico stuck in a tree. <laughs> the my, my weird last guardian thing with Trico was just recently. Um, I got it so the camera and Trico just kind of worked in a little perfect harmony. Uh, getting his head stuck, clipped into a wall. So that that was real good. So I'm like trying to climb up, and so I literally can't because a wall is physically blocking me from his clipped head inside oh the wall. Oh my gosh! And, and it's like um, a, it was like an early part where you had to like give him orders too. It's like oh, oh mm-hmm. gosh, that's even worse. <laughs> well, I think the fun thing about the Last Guardian is I'm a dog owner. Uh huh. <laughs> so I think um, my friend Sniff at one point called it Dog Owner Simulator 2016. Kind of is. I, I totally agree with that. But... There was like it was it was really funny. There was one point when I climbed up into a spot where he's not where you're not really supposed to go, and I'm just like, "What is this?" And so I climb up there and I call for him, thinking maybe I should get him to jump up here so I can jump onto him and find something from here. And I start calling, and he's not look, he's not coming. So I turn the camera around, and there he is looking at me like, "Really?" <laughs> and I'm just like, I have seen that look from my dachshund before. <laughs> yeah, it's like, no, no, I'm not going there. What the fuck are you doing? And I mean, I call him again. He just looks down at the ground. He's like, what? And I call him again. He looks back up at me and gives me that really look again. And there was like this little twitch of the ears. And I'm like, well, Aww. I guess this is not the way we're going. <laughs> but I yeah. think my favorite thing is if you if you find it's right along his neck, I think, like along the back of his neck. And if you just start rubbing and keep rubbing, don't stop. He will actually settle down and he'll fall asleep. Oh, really? I didn't actually try that. He'll, he'll fall asleep. And I. this is like in the area where you're supposed to get him to dive and all that. Mm-hmm. And he fell asleep. And so I actually jumped away from him, ran around the area to explore. I even dove underwater and almost died myself <laughs> trying to swim swim as far as I could. I came back out and he's still sleeping. Nice. Aw, thanks, Rico. <laughs> <laughs> and, so, and so I had to get, I just tromped over to him and I'm just like, hey. Hey, calling for him. It took like four calls to get him to wake up, and he just rolls over and just looks at me and then stretches like, okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm in love with that game. It has its it has its problems, but oh my gosh, Trico is just the best. It's yeah, such the, a treat. The way you interact with Trico is just freaking amazing in that game. The, the, the technical work they put into Trico's AI. Oh my gosh, I know. It's incredible. Crazy. It's amazing. For Beautiful. Sure. It's a Incredible game and the ending. Oh gosh, the ending! Incredible game. I'm not saying any more about the ending. <laughs> <laughs> um, did, any like uh, cool things to happen on your Christmas break? Uh, any nice gifts? Food. I got a. I got a watch. I got a oh, new watch. New watch. <laughs> I started. I started working for a watch company, and I've become obsessive with watches. So, I got a new little. It's like this cool little hybrid smartwatch where it's got a physical watch face, but it interacts with your phone still. That's and so it's... hybrid smartwatches are like are, are just like the weirdest like concept to me because they're like traditional watches, but then like they can like do stuff with your phone. It's it, the coolest thing though is when you look at it and it's like because you'll get like if you get 
um, if you have somebody that's on your special contacts list for your watch, like my dad at one point texted me this weekend when I got, after I got the watch, you get a little buzz on the watch to get your attention. And then it'll like have, then it'll like swing to a number, both the minute and hour hands swing to point to the number that you associate to that person. What? So <laughs> it's a very, it's a very subtle way to show, Hey, this person called. But you have to actually memorize which num- which hour you identify to these people in oh your specialist. Oh, my God. That's, huh. <laughs> but it's not that bad. I mean, it's like for when I get a call from home, it, they swing to one because okay. home trumps everything, right? Right. right. Um, my dad is number two, and then my best friend is number three, so forth like that. Huh. Yeah. Hmm. So it, it's, it's pretty cool, and you can also set it that if you get a call from somebody that's not on your list... Um, the phone will, the watch will buzz, and then the hands will swing to another number saying you're getting a phone call. Are there like actual speakers on that watch? Mm-mm. It's okay. a, it's a very, it's a physical, traditional watch. The best part though, is it does not need to be charged. It uses oh, that's nice. a little yeah. button battery like regular watches, and it takes about oh, six wow. months for it to actually run down on battery. And then you just change it out, and I price the batteries near like a dollar fifty. Wow. So I'm just like, cool. It's it's using that new uh, that new type of Bluetooth that's really super low power. That's a that's a hell of a lot better than uh, when my sister's boyfriend showed me his new Apple Watch too, and then the, <laughs> as he's showing it off to me, it just dies right there. Uh, I'm like, oh okay, <laughs> you know. <laughs> it's funny enough. I asked him. I asked him about battery life like two minutes before it died. He's like, I don't know. Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, I think no, the no, biggest battery life's fine. No, no, it isn't. Okay, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, it's great. A... Apple figured it out. It's awesome. Boom. <laughs> I think, though, I think uh, this Christmas, though, my parents uh, won Christmas with my brother's girlfriend. She works for a uh, charity here that their work is to try to prevent uh, unwanted teen pregnancies in North oh. Texas. Okay. And my parents, for her Christmas gift, gave her a f- pretty good donation for it. That's awesome. And she just was crying and everything. It was because that they basically she was part of the team that built this charity from the ground up. Mm-hmm. And they've been, of course, worried with the current political situation. They're worried about their fu- funding. So we i think my parents won christmas for her <laughs> definitely i mean that's wonderful and they're they're a wonderful group and they do a lot of great great stuff for people so random shout out to her to their yeah most definitely like, of course it's called, uh, In- interrupt is the name of the group and that's at north texas uh charity it's the north texas alliance to uh to prevent unintended teen pregnancies Awesome. Okay. Phenomenal, phenomenal group. Cool. Cool. So, all right. That's, I guess that's enough about the shenanigans here. <laughs> Moving on to you, Guan. Yes. Uh, you've been playing a lot of that Nier Automata demo. I have been too. Oh, yes, I have. It's <laughs> so good. It is. Have you played the original Nier Dragon Guard games going, before going into it? Um, I played uh, Dragon Guard Three and the original Nier. Mm-hmm. Uh, so unlike Fluffy, who, who played all the Dragon Guard gears, I'm, I'm kind of a latecomer. <laughs> uh, but I, I really liked what I played. Uh, I, I even bothered to platinum the Dragon Guard Three, uh, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. 
the only thing for near I have left is is an enormous grind. So yeah, yeah I, I consider myself a fan, but man, the, the influence of platinum games in 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 near Automata is amazing. Just it's the still, movement feels so good. It's still so weird that like a, a Yokotaro game is actually running like a stable frame rate and it feels <laughs> actually good to play. I'm not used to that. I know that, that because <laughs> I remembered playing Dragon Guard when it first came out. Oh, oh my me God. too. Okay, I was I, I was I was a young wee lad, and I saw that cover. I was like, "Oh, this looks cool. This would be a great game." I love dragons. And then, like, by the time they reach that final ending, I'm like, "I've I'm a changed man. I don't know what to it, do with myself anymore." It, it's really great because I actually got the ending D in Dragon Guard before any of the others after the, the first ending. That's I crazy. do not. I do not know how. I I actually did the exact events to get it, and I'm just sitting there. I was not prepared for that. Because <laughs> it's like if you go through the endings progressively, you realize this is getting worse. Yeah. You <laughs> but kind of if you from go like... from ending A and just jump to ending D, you're just like, uh, Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you, you kind of question if you're playing the same game anymore. You're like, are, are you exactly. sure there's still Dragon Guard 1? I'm... Mm. <laughs> I think I ended up just saying I'm not touching this game, and I didn't touch it for two or three days, and I was like, I got to know what else is going on here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, but yeah, Neurotomata, um just the way that you operate to be, and like the whole shooting pod mechanic, <laughs> and the, how uh, like how the RPG systems uh, affect it, and then switching weapons on the fly, even the, like, ah, unequipping I'm the so excited. Uh Go on, like, this is, I don't know, man, this is one to look out for next year, for sure. <laughs> oh, definitely. Definitely. And and, and it's just the, 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 the evade button, uh, that's R2, I think. Yeah, R2. You, you, you're sort of ice skating across the, the, well, the, the debris in, in the, the area. And it yeah. just feels amazing. You can cancel the, the evade halfway through and it's just like you're ice skating over over metal plates and stuff it's it's amazing it kind of feels like you're dancing when you're fighting like yeah. like the way like you kind of like uh zigzag through like the bullet hell segments and whatnot and also just uh, even like evading mid combo to continue the combo is, is... man it's amazing <laughs> yep God. So I also try. So so I just start playing on on the normal difficulty and then tried again on hard and then tried again on hard with Japanese voices and I, I think I played it like seven times in total. Just wow. Uh, the, the, the last two times were uh, just ditching my weapons and just use old fashioned hand to hand combat. Hell yeah, dude! That's I did like a third playthrough. <laughs> and, and it also works. It's amazing. It yeah, like they're, they're they're actually like like good. Like legit things about that hand to hand combat. Like when you uh, do the evade counterattack animation with the with the hand to hand, it like does a punch to them, and like it flies like makes sense them flying, like even like ball yep. bouncing. And if it's like a fatal one, like you see cracks through their like enemy model that as they before they shatter through the wall. It's yep. It feels so good, and and the boss fights. The boss fights crazy. Oh my god, I I don't want to spoil the boss fight to to Floof, but yeah, uh, shit happens in it, and it's a uh, very platinum. <laughs> Floof, just know, be prepared for shenanigans in Yokotaro style. So, you know what's really sad is I'm I'm a streamer for the Extra Life stream team, and I was like, that would be so cool to stream that for their channel for Saturday, and then I realized. That's M-rated. I sure, I certainly can't. 
Because <laughs> that's our rule is we can't play anything that's M-rated or anything oh, that's because okay. it's a yeah. family-friendly channel. Yeah, it makes sense. The, the... We're raising money for the kids, yay! That's true. The, the kids shouldn't be playing this game. <laughs> no, definitely not. No, they it, should be playing Dragon Guard one instead. <laughs> <laughs> Just keep them away from Leonard. Oh, I can't believe I can't believe I made that joke. I'm sorry. <laughs> Keep them away from Lindnerd and keep them away from Ariosh because kids are not going to be very happy in that game. Kids are the last thing that are happy in Yokotara games. <laughs> really think about it. <laughs> he's, he's apparently got an issue with kids. And, you know, some developers do. <laughs> As you do. <laughs> but, yeah, I just... I can't wait to see like more of the possibilities in that game and just it, it like the stars are aligning for Nira in such a bizarre mm-hmm. way. Like when it was first announced last year, it was like, wait, what? <laughs> I know, right? I, I remembered the announcement. I remember they were being very, very dodgy on what it was to the reveal video, and I'm just like, what? What? Is, what? What is the? It's just like what? And then just like when they when you see Platinum Games and Near together, you're just like, oh. <gasps> I think I think everyone who like like Junior like like their hearts skipped a beat like universally. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're like they're they're fucking nuts. <laughs> guys are insane. <laughs> but but even I'm, then, oh. like uh, for the Automata demo, like I kind of like that they they keep in the spirit of Nier of like you know perspective switching, that side scrolling and uh, top yep. down view, like it, like. Even though it's still developed, it, like the combat's being developed by uh, Platinum Games, it still very much feels like a Yokotaro game. It still very much is like messing with your perspective, and, like you know, yep. at, the, at the cost of like you know, you kind of having to work with janky controls. But you know that that's Yokotaro's style. Like he's willing to like you know let let you figure out the controls on your own while he like kind of choreographs your experience. That's actually kind of interesting because that's kind of what uh, the Last Guardian was to a degree as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's it's just at a much slower pace than something Yoko, from Yokotaro, because <laughs> I discovered. I mean, I'm sorry to segue back to that again. Yeah, no problem. Um, I discovered that there were hidden commands to give Trico. You can. Did you know you can actually uh, you can actually uh, scold him? Can you? Huh? Mm-hmm. You can scold Trico. You can. There's actually a command to tell Trico to jump. And there's all these other little things, and I'm like, oh my god, I need to play the game again. <laughs> yeah, I, hmm, I have to go look at that again. I'll just have him jump all day. Yeah, I know. But, it's but like, is this stuff you have to input with the buttons, or is it voice commanded? Or it's uh, you know how I think it's like the was it the L one or the R one to actually call Trico, and then you use that uh-huh. command plus the directional buttons to direct him. I think it's the that button plus square scolds him. Oh, oh, okay. okay. That, and that it's really, it's the cute, I, I did, I have seen the animation for scolding him, and it's so cute, because the boy is like, <laughs> stomping to the ground, fists, balls. Oh, it's shit. So <laughs> it's so cute. It is just like, there was this one point when, because I decided, okay, I had to check this out, so I loaded up the game and checked out this one point, and Trico, of course, goes jumping somewhere where I'm like, no, no, you, you, you should have me when you jump. So I was like, hey, good chance to try the scold. Trico comes back, ears down, like I'm sorry. Aww. <laughs> but, it's like, that's so sad. but it's the fact that they, they kind of, they say you do this, and then they're just like, figure out. So that, that's that's 
kind of a neat I love that I, I really like that aspect so I'm excited to see about that with uh, Nier as well with Automata it reminds me uh, in Automata you could actually like rub the touchpad to like pet your pod <laughs> oh it's my actually, gosh that's cool it's yep. actually really adorable <laughs> Oh my gosh, this is making me so hyped to get home and play it. <laughs> I, I, hope you can, I hope you can scold your pod at the full game. <laughs> uh, I, I'm sorry, I cut you off uh, earlier, Guan. What were you, you going to say? Uh, I don't remember. I also played <laughs> other games. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, the, the publisher in Europe thought it was a good idea to release Shin Megami Tensei 4 Apocalypse and 7 Dragon 3 at the same time. So right, both you, you, also the, this... you also review games as well. Yeah, I'm also a reviewer uh, for mm-hmm. Dutch um, uh, publications. Mm-hmm. And so I had to play through both games. Uh, <laughs> I already wrote a review of Apocalypse and... It's probably the best Mega Ten game in the series. Uh, I but yeah, I, I kind of agree with you there. Yeah, but the 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 level of fascination in in the narrative and the world setting is just decreasing each game since I think Kaneko left Atlas. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, the original Shin Megami Tensei Four really felt like a remix of of old ideas. They they use. Uh, thematic ideas from the first two Shimigami Tenseis, which were only released in Japan. Right, it, uh, like it, it was only like like Nocturne was the outlier for sure in terms of themes and structure for a Mega Ten yep. game. And, and and this one really went back to basics. And I thought that Walter and Jonathan were really straightforward uh, and much less ambiguous as the Law and Chaos heroes in the older games. Uh, so I don't know. It, 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 gameplay mechanics-wise, it's easily the best game in the series. Um, but the narrative itself is just—I don't know. Do, do you not I, like? I, uh, are digging like kind of like the the persona influence on it? Like you kind of have like a, like a band of like a, a group of friends, let's say, in it that they really uh, go go hard on developing and whatnot. Do, do you do you think that's like a, a like an odd like? twist of the series that doesn't really work or mesh well for in the spirit of Mega Ten? Well not really. It's 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 mostly that um I don't know, I think they're trying to uh emulate the identity of Mega Ten that, that was established uh thirty years ago. And they try to emulate it in the in the newer games. So it's just a, a complete new staff working on, on the titles these days. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think they're just wrestling with a direction for the series to to head to. So yeah, it's, it's I, I think know. it's one of those like weird like old series that like it's kind of it's kind of like a it's kind of like an old guy like who was transported to, like in the modern era and like kind of trying to find his way. If in a yeah. sense, yeah, it's yeah. like everything everything seems weird, brand new te- technologically wise, but like you kind of want to stick to your roots, but you don't know how. So yeah, in, in that regard, I'm. I'm kind of fearing for the series because I I think they're doing much better in appealing to uh, the, the mainstream audience. Um, but as a Mega Ten fan myself, I I just I don't know the the, the narrative isn't compelling and and fascinating as it used to be. Yeah, it's a, it's it's at a weird spot right now. I I I hope the best for it because I love the Mega Ten series a lot. Like I'm a veteran myself. 
but they they really need to figure out like how to kind of reach that sweet spot that like you know it still it still works for like the mainstream audience but i i don't want them to like abandon the foundation of what people originally loved mm. about it yeah it is they're trying to play safe especially after strange journey which is yeah. easily my mega ten I, I think, in the series just because journey. it's so bizarre yeah strange journey was such a weird like you just went a totally different direction but in in a really smart and creative way like and, and that's that's the direction the series should be heading but instead they just move i don't know back in time again yeah yeah i don't know just give us a strange journey too i guess i think i'd be happy with <laughs> <laughs> or, or like or like make a like a let's say like if they make a switch version of uh Shinjuri, just like up all the assets i think i'm okay with that too <laughs> oh i'd so buy that definitely uh, but yeah I, I think Apocalypse still it does hold up on its own, despite like the weird flaws that uh, pop up here and there. Yeah, yeah, it's a great RPG. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How about uh, Seventh Dragon? How about the... I don't know too much about Seventh Dragon. All I know is like there's a crazy say you list uh, when you create a character. <laughs> That's all I know. It's amazing. Um, so Seventh Dragon was originally released for uh, DS, and it was kind of the uh, cousin of Etrian Odyssey, uh, with the, I think the major distinction between the two titles is that um, Seven Dragon was third person perspective, opposed hmm. to Etrian Odyssey's first person. Um, but hmm. from that point onward, it's it started slowly developing its own identity. And although I haven't played the two PSP games that followed uh, Seven Dragon. Um, it's, it's kind of weird. So you have the DS title that's called Seven Dragon. Then they start doing two Seven Dragon titles for PSP, uh, 2020 and 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, and final uh, Seven Dragon Three is actually the third game in that series. Is it, like it's, a, it's the third one, but how many Seventh Dragon games have been like? Is that the fourth or fifth Seventh Dragon like physical like or release game? Or is it just? It, it's the it's the fourth Seven Dragon, but the third one of the trilogy. Okay. okay. And, and the first one to be brought over to the West. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. so, so we're kind of in 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 the, the finale act of um, of the trilogy, but it's fun. I I'm a, I'm having a good time. You just create your own party. Um, the classes that you pick for your party are. Uh, much different than they initially were. Uh, I only played the, the, the DS Seven Dragon, and then I skipped to the 3DS one. But those were more mirrored to the Etrian Odyssey uh, classes, and these have uh, a samurai and, and agents that that can hack enemies and uh, use enemies as scapegoats to replenish your own. Um, uh, what's it called? LP, uh, your your magic, mm-hmm. so to say. Um, so it really started to to become its own thing. So I'm I'm really curious whether there will be a next Seven Dragon after this one, or just they just leave it at this and and focus on on new IPs. It feels like like like, like the complete finale to that Seventh Dragon series. Yeah, it is. It's it's okay. it's really the, the 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 sequel to the the last two games. Okay, that, like uh, so. 
a lot of the gameplay seems to be like you know synergizing your party, uh, making sure that mm-hmm. they compensate for each other's weaknesses and whatnot. Yeah, and it, it it's still very much alike uh, Atronology. Uh Like you really have to to synthesize the party together. Um, have attacks from from one party member, uh, follow up on the other. Um, but the entire narrative direction and the setting is is widely different from what it used to be. It used to be high fantasy ish, mm-hmm. uh, and now it's futuristic. Uh, oh, you're set in Tokyo, and you're time warping around. And the first area you're actually exploring is uh, Atlantis. So that's uh, a long time back in the in the past. Uh, so so that's pretty cool. It, it really became its own thing now. That's that's really like bizarre because so like you're constantly like kind of warping between different time periods like you go from that uh previous high fantasy setting to like this more futuristic one is there like a yeah so you like it's kind of mandatory to know have prior knowledge of the games going into this um they actually give very brief but concise summaries of the older games um and your the the unit that you're yourself are playing with is actually named after the unit of those games. Uh, so, so in another regard, I'm I'm kind of curious to the older titles now, but like I said, they were never brought over uh, for PSP here, mostly because they came out when the PSP was already on its last legs. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm kind of curious now. It's, it's got a really distinct visual style to it, so that that kind of interests me. Nice. Anything else you want to share, or we'll move on? Uh, I think we can move on to the community okay. part. Yeah. <laughs> um, just uh, going briefly over uh, my end, I, I, I've been playing Nier Automata as All right. well. Yeah, but uh, at least like on my on my Christmas break, uh, I did a really bizarre thing on Christmas Eve. Like I kind of learned how to make a Discord bot. Uh, for the RPG side <laughs> server, like uh, nice. I, I was kind of like getting fed up because you have like this uh, bot that's like in ten thousand, hundred thousand, whatever different uh, Discord servers, and it just keeps disconnecting, and um, the music quality was like always skipped and whatnot. And you know mm-hmm. that's uh, that's one of our popular features uh, over at the Discord server. So I was like, all right, fine, I'm gonna sit down and try to fucking uh, learn this. So I'm like here uh, <laughs> downloading Python, downloading Git. And like uh, messing with Notepad plus plus, I'm like, well, how, how's this working? You know, I have to look at like uh, Discord handles there. And plus, I love it. It's it's great, but the, just like you have to constantly switch accounts because you have to make your uh, another Discord account for the bot to oh. use, and then kind of configuring that. Uh, it's it's weird, but since I have my PC up, usually almost all the time, it's kind of fine tilting it on my end. Um, it was it was one of those like weird projects that you just kind of it kind of just falls on your lap. And you're like, well, I guess you know, but I, I it felt it felt very uh, like satisfying and accomplished uh, at the end of it. It's like, wow, I learned a lot today. I don't know exactly what I learned, but I felt like I learned a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, well, that's good. So usually, uh, Christmas is about consuming food mostly, <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and this time you were producing bots. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you know, <laughs> so that's, that's an, uh, a unique uh, take on the uh, the Christmas holiday. Speaking of food, my I, I spent Christmas at, over at my sister's place, and she kind of went all out on food. She was using an electric fryer for the first time, so she made really oh, really good fried chicken, like oh, seasoned. Wow. 
And then she also had like um, spare ribs, oxtail, and some potatoes. Like in a crock pot Holy that's crap. going all day. It was really fucking good. <laughs> like, my my uh-huh. my brother and his girlfriend uh, experimented with one of the recipes from Tasty. I mean, you've seen Tasty all over Facebook and stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen Tasty. Okay. So they did a they did the uh, what was it the garlic herb butter pork rib or something that they oh, had on it. Oh my gosh. Was so good. <laughs> Marty hungry. <laughs> we 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 did run into a problem trying to make the gravy though. We had we we mm-hmm. couldn't get the gravy to actually emulsify or whatever the term is. It just kind of the that flour right. and everything separated yeah. down into the bottom with the oh, everything shit. on the top. And no matter how much we could, we eventually had to call mom in. We were like, we didn't we didn't want to call her in. We wanted her to rest for Christmas because she oh crap, there's that. Hang on. Yeah, no, no problem. <laughs> Go on, what, do you, what did you I've... eat over the holiday? A lot. Uh, my mother-in-law is, is Filipino. So she made tons of Filipino food again. Uh, and I love Filipino food. So uh... <laughs> I just had yeah, some last night. I'm Filipino as well. <laughs> oh, really? Yep. Now, so... Unlike you, who was mostly producing, I was just same old consuming. Uh, <laughs> tons of it. My, my bad, Ploof. Uh, what were you? Uh, you're continuing? Yeah, it's all good. I had a I have a clock up here on the wall that I was like, oh, crap, it's going off. <laughs> um, it is. Um, it, it's basically we ended up we were trying to keep uh, mom from having to help out. Cause of course mom has always made Christmas dinner and stuff. And this was going to be the kids doing it today. This is going to be the year. year. This is going to be the year. And so of course we had to call mom in to help with the gravy. <laughs> so it, it, it was, we had like this whole thing cause they have this fancy oven in the kitchen and I was trying to broil uh, corn on the cob. Okay. And so what I, my thing is I put it cause I I, my favorite thing to do is campfire style corn on the cob where you put all the seasonings in with it, roll it up in foil, put it in a broiler and cook it that way for 10 to 15 minutes. It always comes out perfect. And my, my, my rule when you want to use the broiler is you never close the oven because you got to keep an eye on it. And Mm -hmm. so this oven, when you have, when we'll actually start beeping at you if the door's not closed (laughs) As so should. I spent it should yeah it's a good it's a good thing but it's like you're it's again you're supposed to keep the door cracked open when you're broiling to to keep an eye open in case something catches fire because that's a very good th- chance of happening when you're broiling that's true and so I'm standing here we have a, our stove is on an island in the kitchen here so I'm standing with the oven behind me one hand on the oven a wooden spoon in the saute pan for our vegetables <laughs> so I'm sitting here mixing the vegetables while my brother's making the mashed potatoes, and then I hear the beat from the oven. I shut the oh, oven and then gosh. I open it. And I just keep. It was just like I'm like I, I'm I'm multitasking here. It was full <laughs> of just everybody. And then of course Diana, my brother's girlfriend who doesn't cook, is sitting over here drinking beer. <laughs> nice. Okay. That, she has she had the best part out of all this. She had the best part. And then when we were having trouble with the with the with the gravy, Brent's like Diana, Google it. Figure out. Google it. <laughs> <laughs> it was. It's. It's. It's crazy how cooking even turns into a, a funny adventure here. 
it's it seems to be always a trip uh, when I when I it, try to cook as well. So it, well, it's 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 what I love getting together with the family for because we always have something happen. My mom has a has a very ornery dachshund. I was telling Juan about this earlier that she doesn't like anybody getting near my mom. My this is she she can be kind of mean. This little dachshund can she can be really sweet, but she can also be really mean. And she has bitten me. She's bitten my brother. We've all been bit. We all have our little war tales about her <laughs> but i walked in or before we were getting started my mom fell asleep with the tv on really loud in the next room so i walk in to go turn it down and of course she sits up because my mom's in her chair asleep and immediately the dachshund's like how dare you approach <laughs> and i just walk over and i just pet her and she just looks at me like what i was growling at you why were you why aren't you scared of me <laughs> <laughs> So she's and so I just go in, turn down the TV, and I get and I pet her, and she just kind of is like, "What? What is this? Why are you being nice to me?" Okay, and she just goes lays Aww. back down. And there was like one point though with my aunt yesterday, she comes trotting into the den and jumps up on my aunt and sits down on her, and we're just kind of like, "What are you doing, dog? <laughs> you never do this." <laughs> nice. So it's been we've we've had dog adventures i think at one point we had six dogs here holy shit because my brother has two i have two and my parents have two wow fun for the whole family (laughs) it was actually one of them they were all very well behaved and i think i think well during our cooking adventure one of my favorite moments is all three of us all and all of these pairs there's a dachshund in one of these pairs because we've all grown up with them and so my brother's dachshund and my dachshund are sitting there begging while he's cutting up bell peppers for dinner. And so he puts, okay, so he puts a, um, he ends up putting one down for my dachshund. Of course, he gobbles it up because he's a glutton. He puts another one down for his dachshund and she picks it up, chews on it, puts it down, thinks about it, picks it up, chews it, puts it down, thinks about it, picks it up, chews it, puts it back down, then gets distracted and looks away. And right as she does, my doxy comes in, takes it and walks away. Damn. And she looks back and I'm like, where'd it go? Savage. Snatched. <laughs> <sighs> Dogs. Um, so, uh, for moving on to the Falcom shareholder stuff, just the one last thing I, uh, I wanted to mention because I was uh, messing with it earlier. So my, my sister and her boyfriend got me this new keyboard. It's like this mechanical keyboard, the K70 Lux. And it's like has really a really dumb backlighting options. So I, I hook it up. I uh, install the software uh, from their site. And then like once you like boot up that software, there's like... Uh, kind of like the color spectrum like revolving around it so it's like kind of like the rainbow spinning around the back the back of this keyboard i'm like what the fuck is going on i'm like (laughs) oh no this is really you could go like really fucking ham on like the way you color these (laughs) like i'm like i'm like looking at these color presettings right and one's like a wave of colors that goes i'm like no this is like this has gone too far you know so eventually i like uh I eventually settled on um, having uh, this dark violet uh, backlighting on it that's like really obnoxiously bright. But and then every time you click on a key, like it, it turns out like a random color. Anytime you press a key, I'm like, <laughs> holy shit, this is so dumb. But I got, I got to so keep cool. this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm like, I tell you this to my friends. They're like, oh man, it's like a raven every shit post now. I'm like, yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> 
My um my coworker uh, brought his own keyboard for work, and it's out of those. It's a mechanical keyboard where he's got the really cool old school typewriter keys on it. Oh, nice. And I think he says they're cherry red keys too. So, mm-hmm. and <laughs> of course, everybody is just like, "Holy crap, that keyboard's awesome!" When they walk through our section, <laughs> and he just like, "Yep, sure is." Yeah, it's weird getting used to the mechanical keyboard. No, like it's like all clickety clackety, but it feels good and it's hard to describe. So. Well, it's it's funny because of the really really terrible thing. I, I'm very very ashamed to admit this, but since we work in a Mac in a Mac based environment with work, I've kind of started getting used to my little my my little Apple keyboard that I have at my docking station. Oh no, they're winning. I know, and I'm like, it I can't begins. get used to the, I can't use get used to function and all that stuff though, option oh, yeah. and but... all those, and it's terrible when I come back to a Windows key- keyboard and I'm just like, where am I supposed to go again? <laughs> <laughs> because everything, everything that you do on the Mac is based on where the Alt key is on Windows, and it's just like, oh, that doesn't seem right. So. Yeah, my, my sister's boyfriend is uh, totally hooked up to Mac. He has like an Apple TV, um, <laughs> a MacBook Pro, an iPad, just mm-hmm. an iPhone, and everything's just like cooked <laughs> together. He got, he got uh, obviously the Apple Watch too. I mentioned earlier he got that for Christmas. He's just he's the ideal Apple customer. He's jacked in. <laughs> I think my MacBook for work is the only the only Apple thing I've got. Hmm. So. Now that the holidays are semi behind us, one more to go. Uh, just Falcom wanted to kick off Christmas early. Uh, just just last week, as of the time of this recording, they had their shareholder meeting, and you know we thought it was gonna be like some light stuff and whatnot. Because last year they they announced that hey look, uh, Trails of Cold Steel three is in development. We're like cool, like we'll see it. Uh, we, we'll know, we, we, they might mention it again, who knows, but we all thought it's probably going to be East 8, Lacrimosa of the Na PS4 version focused. But uh, Falcom had other things in store for us. So mm-hmm. just a little bit of background on this, like how most shareholder meetings uh, kind of <laughs> open up. They they talk about their financial situation. It seems like they're doing, they're doing pretty solidly from uh, uh, domestic and overseas sales. Uh, mm-hmm. Money's coming in, which is good. Um, but they, I guess the the big thing that they had to prove to shareholders, and you know more about this, you two, of course, is that they had to prove that they could develop for the PS4. So can you give us a little bit, just a little bit of background of like that that whole situation from Falcom? Uh, do you want me to get this one? Juan? Yeah, go. Okay. Yeah, take it away. Okay, okay. So we don't have anything specific. This is my this is kind of my theory about what's going on with it, uh, because this is not going to be something you're going to straight up say the shareholders meeting, but. Right. Um, they had, um, there's been a lot of weird, crazy stuff about the whole, I, I'm going to steal a word, kerfluffle from, uh, Tokyo Xanadu <laughs> EX plus. God, I love that word. Um, because get it, everybody was just like, why bringing, why bring this out for PS4? Why, what, what, why are you going to bring this out? I mean, I really think one, I think Falcom really did like that game. Because they seem to be really, really hyped about it anyway, and it's I've, they typically are about their games. They typically do have a love, a nice love affair with their own games and everything. So, mm-hmm. 
But I think specifically in this case with EX Plus is because they have been push push they had pushed uh, East Eight for PS4 off by two years. So they had they had announced it back. They had announced say, hey, we're going to be releasing East Eight this year back in 2015. But then twenty then we get up to twenty sixteen. They're just like we're releasing it for Vita. We're releasing the PS4 version in 2017. That sort yeah, of thing. That's a bizarre so, thing, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, um, my, I have the suspicion that while Tokyo Xanadu EX Plus is a neat game, I actually just got it and started playing it not too long ago. Um, it's fun. It, I think it's a definite improvement on the Vita version. Um, but I will say that I think I have believed that EX Plus is not so much for the fans because it's never really expected to sell that well. But it's more intentional to show, look, we can develop for the PS4. Because with all the trouble that East 8's been going through the PS4, it's clear that they're having some issue with the system. So it could be just specifically East 8, but it seems like they've definitely got it in track check now because of what they came up with for the shareholder meeting, which is good, which is really exciting, too. Falcon being on a current console is actually very surprising for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're uh, definitely more in tune to modern times that, like, I traditionally they haven't been. Mm-hmm. It's but, been, they've always been, like, like half-step behind everybody else. Yeah. And so it's actually kind of exciting to see them on the PS4, especially because I remember, I remember one thing that uh, when they were about to release uh, Salsetta for the Vita. Um, so this is, this is always struck, is very iconic for what Falcom is like. Uh, Sony interviewed a bunch of developers that uh, for, I think it was like in Dengeki or something like that. They interviewed a whole bunch of developers and asked them, what's the thing you're most excited about with the PlayStation Vita? When they got to Kondo, he said, it's because we can put more enemies on the screen at one time. (laughs) Nothing about, (laughs) nothing about, nothing about graphics, nothing about anything about storage. It was the, we have the processing power to put more enemies and there's like more chaos on the screen. So, that as a result, I realize, oh crap! With an East game on PS4. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. So I'm I, I, I'm actually really hyped for East Eight for PS4 for that just from that off comment he made. I think this is also the point where we should just say Sasuka Falcom, because this is <laughs> such a typical thing for them to say. It is. It's, 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 to them, the graphics aren't... I mean, it's like one of the things I remembered reading is when they said that they were developing an East game, one of the very first things they always do is they make sure to create the movement for Adol. Yes. Absolutely the very first thing because they yes. say there's no point in an East game if Adol doesn't move right. That's absolutely true. That's... Yeah. I and definitely that, can see that as the uh, starting point of these uh, projects. And it's it's it, when you look when you think about that and you look at every East game and you realize how the movement in of itself is core to the high speed that the games have. That's it's incredible to realize that because they don't look at games as like here's the graphics, here's this. They look at it. They they try to figure out the utility of it first, then do everything, all the visuals and stuff later. Yeah, when you, when you think about, like, every East game, like, you never hear anyone complain about the way Adol moves. Everyone is always uh, talking about how responsive they feel and uh, mm-hmm. just how it feels good to, to play. Exactly, and it's just, it's easily one of the coolest parts of that game, I think. And am that... I, am I... Yeah? Go ahead, go ahead. 
Okay, so I, I was, was writing my uh, my write up for my favorite game for 2016, which is sorry Persona 5, but it's uh, East 8, Lacrimosa <laughs> Dana, and I just dedicated two uh, paragraphs to Adol's movements. It's so good, and when I f- first started playing the game, I was just jumping around and swinging my sword, and it, it kind of reminded me of uh, the first time I played Super Mario 64. Uh, mm-hmm. Where I was just jumping around and bouncing off against walls with 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 Mario against the the castle and um, but the the movement in East Eight is just amazing. Uh, so I, I really can't it's... wait for the for the PS4 port mm-hmm. uh, it's and just... do it all over again in 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 <laughs> HD. <laughs> That's exactly how it is for me. I I've only been. I've actually been doing a replay of it, trying to do a low reputation run. There's a whole thing there that I'm just because potential spoilers, I'm not touching on to at all. Um, I'm trying to do a replay to be the whole what we jokingly called on my stream beat all like B on 4chan. and and just being a jerk to everything and just not caring about the world and doing all this. And because uh, just, and I'm just kind of like, you know what? I'm 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 enjoying it, but I'm kind of waiting. I don't want to really put too much effort into it until the until it comes out for PS4 because I really, really, really want to experience it there. So I've not been very enthused on a replay of it somehow, and I've replayed every East game I've played at least four or five times. So this is kind of weird for me. <laughs> I'm just yes. so excited for it. Yeah, speaking of East 8 PS4, they also revealed the release date for that, which is uh, May 25th uh, over in Japan. Mm-hmm. And so they, they put up uh, like screenshots of it. There's, there's a, one of the few significant ones are obviously the comparison between the Vita version. You mm-hmm. saw a lot of anti-aliasing, uh, resolution bump. You know, it feels it looks a lot cleaner, a lot more less, like crisp. Everything just seems mm-hmm. like like it had like a weird cloud effect on the Vita versions, like been taken away now. It just feels much more alive. You know what? I'm so excited to see. I'm excited to see the fog area on the PS4. <laughs> I think that's going to be amazing. They also confirmed that the, you know the PS4 version is going to run at 60 frames along with uh, 4K support. And the, I think one of the coolest things about this also is. I guess there was some previously deleted uh, content for Dana, the second protagonist in mm-hmm. East Eight that uh, that couldn't make the Vita version for you know technical or space limitations, along with additional scenarios. Do you guys, you guys mm-hmm. have a little bit more info on that? I'll do that. Um, yeah. Uh, well, basically, they crammed everything they could on the Vita cartridge, and at one point they ran out of space and had to uh, scrap content. And there's actually, if you look at the trailers uh, for East Age, you see a lot of content that didn't make it into the final version of the game, uh, all starring Dana. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what Fluffy and I suspect is that they'll put back those segments uh, in the PS4 version. So there will be even more East Age to go through. <laughs> I'm, I'm so psyched. Well, one of the things I will say, uh, I'm going to step back to the 60 mm-hmm. FPS thing just real quick, yeah. is um, when I was playing Tokyo Xanadu EX+, Plus, I was blown away that the game is a smooth 60 frames per second. And it it makes, it changes the personality of combat in that game quite a bit. And 
it never really dawned on me how much it would. And I remembered uh, when they were talking about it, I've, I'm currently translating a an interview with Kondo about East 8. And uh, holidays got in the way, so I never got it finished, obviously. <laughs> but um, I remembered he said that it actually does. And it's he had commented that it changes the pacing of combat quite a bit. And oh, yeah, so I imagine so. Like... I'm so excited for that, too. <laughs> Yeah, there seems to be a lot writing on this game, and it's like it's it seems to be like I'm super excited. I'm like contemplating oh about gosh. importing it. Um, I forgot oh, if like on the initial release, I think there was a little bit more info shed. Uh, like, was there were there any additional things they were adding to like the actual base systems, like the defending the village part, or now you can go on the attack oh, or something? There's I'm a not... new system coming in, and I can't remember what it's called, but it's apparently you can go out. Uh, it's connected to the village defense that they have in the game and you can go out and actually track down the the uh what's the term I'm looking for like the 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 hives or whatever where the enemies for the village defense are coming from so basically Dogie and the village come to help you out with actually coming in and attacking these sources of the enemies and I can't remember the name of it or the details. It is. It did come up in both Dengeki and Famitsu, so I need to go through it. And that's, that'll once I get all that translated, of course, I'll have it all up on Endless History too. So right. Cool. But, is there anything else I'm missing on the East Eight PS4? I think they've been very. They've been pretty. They've been playing coy about everything. The yeah. way Falcom does their uh, does their hype uh, campaigns. Is that they will, I expect them to focus on East 8, and then as East 8 gets closer to its release, they're going to start migrating their attention to, to Sin 3. Um, but they typically will release a little bit, a little bit with each game, or each, each every other week. And these uh, little bits of info are going to just open up more, a bigger, bigger picture of things. So. We may we may see something about another character. We because knowing Falcom, they'll just drop that on people and just like what? Because they did that with EX Plus with Tokyo Xanadu, um, <laughs> who is actually really interesting. He he is a very interesting character in terms of gameplay because you you can go through it. You feel really really strong up against everything, but as soon as you come up against an enemy that's Shadow Element, he is like tissue paper. <laughs> and it, it's it changed because yeah, I, I I played a, a couple of chapters of EX of Tokyo Xanadu before I got EX plus, and so I kind of got used to the way the game was playing and everything. And then, and I was actually playing my first play on Nightmare at everybody's suggestions because how easy it was. I've actually decided to do EX plus on normal. I'm kind of glad I did because I'm trying to get used to the sixty frames per second aspect of things. <laughs> And I think I would have probably been very angry playing uh, that White Shroud or whatever his name is on Nightmare because, holy crap, that was suddenly a difficulty jump. And, and it was it was a pleasant difficulty jump. So I was just like, okay, I can, I can do this. So I wouldn't be surprised if Falcon found some way to do something. I mean, wasn't there – wasn't one of the screenshots, didn't it look like it had a uh, uh, – uh, what's her Hilda or whatever her name is is playable at one point? No, I think it's just just Donna with with an, with a different hair color. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It, it was just kind of weird seeing that. And I was just like, what? But that I mean, right there, there's an example of something they could do. Just suddenly throw in, oh hey, Donna, get somebody helping her out in her in her content. Yep. 
Yep. Uh, just, so that that's a example of something Falcom may suddenly do. So there you go. Nice, but yeah, I can't wait for you to see it. Uh, PS4 <laughs> release. I, I just the more I look at it, I'm like, like I maybe I should just get this early. Who knows? <laughs> um, they also one of the really odd things that came out of the shareholder meeting uh, that was first announced at the PlayStation Experience uh, earlier this month. Um, East Origin is getting uh, a port job to the PS4 and Vita and uh, by .mu. But over mm-hmm. in Japan, it's only getting uh, a PS4 port release, not the Vita. I that was kind of a weird thing. What do you guys suspect out of that? Mm, because I'm, the Vita I obviously could... is more bigger in Japan than it is uh, overseas. So it, it could was kind be. of a weird move. Weird My move. guess is it could be off of what .emu has uh, accessible to them if they're doing the publishing themselves, or maybe they have a publisher there that's uh, that's not really familiar with the Vita. Architecture. I don't know. I'm unfortunately, I don't really have a full answer for that. But do you, do, do you guys suspect that like maybe it's just like a, a future announcement because that like a different publisher is handling that, or do you think it's just like no, no go on the Vita? Mm, uh, it could be a different publisher because uh, that's what happened with Grooming for 3DS. Is a different mm. publisher has it there. So, I mean, Mastiff doesn't have... And it's like with uh, Exceed. Exceed doesn't really have a presence in Europe. So they have to have uh, different publishers that do have uh, that presence to be able to release their games over there. Oh, yeah, that's true. I, I forgot who they use for Europe. Mm. Different people. I mean, they used, yeah. uh, uh, they'd used uh, Nisa for, for Trails of Cold Steel 1 and 2. And... I know that Rosen they've had... Games did uh, Tools in the Sky FC and mm-hmm. actually did SC themselves. But that was uh, a digital did... in that case. Yep. They also did most of the East uh, PSP games themselves, all digital. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't remember who did E7, maybe also ESA uh, or Exit themselves. But yeah, there's a, a wide range of, of uh, European publishers. Uh... <laughs> using so for for this next part i'm gonna put a potential spoiler warning here because (laughs) it's kind of hard to talk about the this next game without maybe unintentionally spoiling stuff so if you haven't beaten trails of cold steel one and two you've been warned um so the very obviously the very final thing at that uh, shareholder meeting is they laid it on us First look, here's Sen no Kiseki 3, better known as The Legend of Heroes, Trails of Cold Steel 3. They laid on us that first thing right away, they said, this is going to be PlayStation 4 exclusive. Wow. I know they, yes. they, they, they were talking about, uh, Kondo was thinking about having it only for PlayStation 4 a few months back in an interview, but kind of struggling uh, to fit it all in Vita. And then they just were just like, this is, we have to realize the full potential of this game. Um we're just going to make it PS4. Um, just other details before we start talking about it. When they uh, release the info, there's going to be uh, set in Septian calendar uh, 1206. And yep. uh, there's going to be Reen is still the main character. And then there were several screenshots released. So let's go wild. Trails of Cold Steel 3, it's fucking happening finally. <laughs> it's going to be, it's gonna be finally. released. It, it's slated for release like summer 2017 or was it fall? I okay. forgot. My guess. They're saying fall 2017. My guess. And I know Juan's on the same case here. It's going to be the last <laughs> Thursday of September. Until yep. 
2016, they have not missed that day in the past, I think, 11 years. Yep. <laughs> Uh, so that, September because, 28th, I think. Yeah, so <laughs> look at that. He already knows the date of it. Um, so the big thing about this it's is that I my think... Calendar. <laughs> so it's what a I national think holiday is, for The him. reason for this is because Falcom traditionally releases on Thursdays. That That's their traditional, typical release date, normally. And so that Thursday is the last Thursday of their quarter. So what that means is that they get the weekend and the initial sales of the game and then the next year starts so they get the rest of the sales at the start of the year of their finance of their next financial year smart. smart it's actually very very smart planning and it's a really cool idea that they've got going but as a result it's reliable that the game and this is another reason why and i also think stuff with tokyo xanadu was because they're dodging uh Final Fantasy 15, because at the time it was announced, that was going to be, that was locked in by 15, <laughs> which is why they missed the the, thir- the last Thursday of September for 2016. So, um, basically, it's, um, as a result, I think Falcom's going to go back to their normal ways, because Falcom is a creature of habit, and they don't really... <laughs> <laughs> they 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 typically stick to their style. I mean, it's if they make a big change, if there's a big sweeping change in something, um, they do it step by step. Like we have a pretty big change here with going PS4 exclusive, especially because the Vita version sold better in Japan. So this is a this is a big gamble from them, and I'm just kind of like, yeah. wow, hang in there, guys. This is going to get interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we already saw a lot of feedback, you know, from all sides on uh, on the Switch to PS4. Over, oh, you know, oh, that one other gaming site in their comment section that that was a <laughs> that was a a nightmare. <laughs> but uh, what do you guys think about just in general what what they've shown? Like, it, it was a lot more info than I thought they would uh, shed light on for sure. And I think you're looking for something more informing then hype 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 hype. <laughs> <laughs> well I'll, I'll tell you right now falcom is really smart in picking their first screenshots for a kiseki game they are very yep. smart on this they have always always been very deliberate in what they pick for their first screenshot um so what we have seen of those characters that's going to tell us that those characters are going to have some sort of big play in it um but i will tell you right now falcom has also been known to mislead with the first screenshots um they actually uh when zero no kiseki got announced years ago um their first screenshot was this one image that when you come off of third and you see this image you're like what's going on here holy crap that's not a good thing to see and it turns out it's just a play (laughs) (laughs) so they they really screw with people's heads on purpose and i mean when this first screenshot came out um nobody even knew the location of zero no kiseki yet Right. Because Falcom was actually being dodgy on it. And everybody's like, oh, this, is this Erebonia? Because <laughs> it, it seemed by the end of third and everything that it would make sense to go to Erebonia next. So when it turned, when they eventually said, oh, we're going to Crossbell, everybody's like, where? <laughs> What's oh, a Crossbell? Oh, <laughs> Can I eat that it? Place, that place that was offhandedly mentioned in second chapter. Okay. <laughs> and just just to contextualize the screenshot Fluffy mentioned, it's it's a play which takes place in uh, a fictional country um, millennia before uh, the start of the series. And it's just people in uh, 
loose clothing uh, remind me a bit of of romance and that's the first screenshot they released yeah so people what the hell is going on here is this (laughs) or something oh wait Pretty much. So be very careful with trying to take these screenshots at face value because Falcom is very Falcom knows how to manipulate the fandom. I think it was Tom with Exceed who once said Falcom could release a picture with a bag of cat vomit and the fans would sit there and analyze (laughs) it nonstop. (laughs) Because, hey, Uh. Kiseki. (laughs) Yeah, I I can't really deny that I did my own uh, share of analyzing of these screenshots. Um, so one of the things I found is that, uh, the screenshot with the green haired character is actually in Ordis, the, the capital of the province of Lamar. So where, uh, Duquesne comes from. Um, and the only hint you get is the, in the very background, blue flags with the crest of the Duquesne family. Um, oh, shit. So, the, <laughs> so there you go. There you go. Um, uh, it's weird because, like, uh, when I saw the screenshot, I was like, "Wow, this is such a big step up from what you saw in Trails of Cold Steel, too." Just oh gosh, yes, it's incredible. It's, it feels so fully realized, like relatively speaking. It's not like in a standing like a candle to like Last Guardian or Uncharted or whatnot, but mm-hmm. just seeing like how far the series has gone, like visually. Oh, it's, absolutely! It's, it's like, you can see like how like a chronological chronology of like Falcom getting used to three D models. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's well. I mean, I think there's a degree of them having been trying to build back up to what they were used to. Mm-hmm. Um, because when you look at their models used in Grooming and Xanadu next, I mean, they looked decent for what they were trying to get to, and at the time period. And so, of course, they've it feels like they've been hampered by hardware on what they could do because Falcom started as a PC developer. Uh, or was at the beginning of 2000 was doing uh, PC exclusively. And then, of course, the whole downfall with that happened. And that's a whole other story in of itself. I could talk hours on that one. <laughs> Is uh, Falcom had to dump PC development completely. Uh, we can just say Japanese PC market sucks. Yeah. That, yep. That's basically the gist of it. And so at the time, they had Sony help help them get entirely exclusively on PSP. And thus, I think that was the beginning of Falcom's really good relationship with Sony. And so that's why, that's I remember seeing people going on, oh, is it going to be on Switch? And I'm just like, no. No, they won't <laughs> no. be developing for Switch. They're two good friends with Sony. They're not going to Nintendo. <laughs> yeah, Sony has been definitely treating them uh, well, though. I mean, yeah. just the, the amount of support that they, they've given them is uh, really, really good. Well, the biggest one that really surprises me is that when a uh, second chapter was released uh, originally, it was the one. It was the first game on two UMDs in Japan. That's and right. It was a, and so of course Falcom had to cobble it together to make it work that way, and because there was no standard on how to make a game work on two UMDs at the time. Uh-huh. And so when PSN came out, apparently the way Falcom set it up did not cooperate with PSN. And so they were sitting there trying to figure out how to make it work. And then apparently Sony stepped in and fixed it for them. Wow. So Sony has stepped in and picked them up multiple times. I hear that Sony apparently stepped in and helped them out with uh, Celsetta. Oh, really? And because they were running into issues with that on the Vita and Sony stepped in to help. That's what, and that's, 
For the longest time, I thought Salsetta was running on Fire Engine because we know Cold Steel does. I don't know if Cold Steel 3 is, but I know two, 1 and 2 do. And so I had always assumed that Sony stepping in to help Falcom on Salsetta was bringing Fire Engine in, but turns out they were still using uh, their own system for that. But again, Sony's assistant. Sony has come in on multiple occasions to pick them yep. up when they were stuck. And it's the fact that Sony is willing to uh, be very, very helpful with their third parties that way, that it's really amazing to see this relationship between the two companies, I think. For sure. Uh, definitely. But, like, when when they first, like, released these Trials of Cold Steel 3 screenshots, I the, one of the things that I really, <laughs> really got, like, excited for was, like, their kind of, like, mock-up of, like, the battle screen because they take... It's weird. They they took a lot of uh, cues from Persona Five in the sense of like have assigning <laughs> each action to to a button, and I I hope that like more RPGs from now on kind of do that because I like the flow of Persona Five uh, yep. in, in that sense. You get uh, you, battles uh, flow much more naturally. You can get through uh, content a lot quicker. It's it's already still a meaty game, but like you know you'll be battling a lot in it. So having anything that helps you push through it in a more in a faster sense like because it didn't when you think about persona 3 and 4 like there was a lot of menu scrolling and like mm-hmm. and switching personas and whatnot like it was like you had it you need to have it down by a like to a science to like get through those battles quickly or just auto battle mm-hmm. but and now, that way having... was uh kiseki definitely too yeah yeah but the, the it seems it's weird to me that like they're kind of like uh putting like the ring uh system behind them and opting in for more uh, this style now of like mm-hmm. button to action uh, sort of thing, and then you, you, we all saw, you know, like there were new characters in it, like the uh, Falcom teased at the day of the shareholder meeting, like the silhouette, and everyone was like, "Who the fuck is that?" You know, <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, like, assuming it was going to be a character we all knew. It's again, like I said, there's Falcom manipulating their fandom right there. Like like that, I remember the Falcom Discord going like hours and hours, like go look at a silhouette. Like, no, okay, there's no way that this could be a Tonfa. No one fucking yeah. holds a Tonfa like this. <laughs> <laughs> and now that I see the picture, I'm just like, okay, that that makes sense. How it all is, it's it's a silhouette <laughs> screwing with your head. And again, Falcom is so good at that. Ugh. Okay. <laughs> yes. <Yeah, so, laughs> They also released a, a key visual with a Cold Steel Three, and it shows like these two characters along with Reen and Altina is there as well. Mm-hmm. Yep. You see her a little bit uh, more. Grown. There's like a year and a half after Cold Steel Two. Yes. I... Okay. That's... Which and it's really interesting. So I'm gonna try to be very vague on this because this is gonna delve into Crossbell. Um, there's stuff that's implied in Aono Kiseki's ending that tells us that 1207 is going to be a very important year in the in the Kiseki series. So mm-hmm. every step we take closer to 1207, it's like, oh my god. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, especially with this, uh, like starting a year before, it's like, I wonder if we're going to cross over to that. Yeah, I think, and I actually really ser- seriously believe it will, because, I mean, I'm trying to think of the images, because there's like this whole, you have to actually, I mean, we're going to, I'm going to have to sit back and go back and look at that series of pictures that maybe we can determine when in 1207 this all happens. <laughs> because Malcolm is just that deep detailed with this crap yep. <laughs> um, and, a... and, and Kondo was also very deliberate in the way he worded it he was 
he didn't say, well, it takes place in, in uh, 12.06. He said, it starts in 12.06. Yeah. And, well, I, I probably reacted the same way Floofy did while playing um, uh, Cold Steel 2, is when you finish the finale and you see the calendar running towards into uh, 12.05, January, February, and then it stops at March, like, oh, we're getting closer to 12.07. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I was just kind of like, I remembered when I got to that point and saw the calendar go into January and stuff. I'm just like, holy crap. Oh, crap. Oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> because, again, and that's kind of uh, that's kind of one of the reasons why I want to see Crossbell in English before, before people in English get to play Sen 3. Because th- there, Crossbell is going to have such an impact on this. And because I mean, we've already, I mean, one of the two of the screenshots, you can see Crossbell in the background. Yeah, yeah. So that's going to be a big deal, and there's going to be no getting around this. So it's nope. like, um, at this point, Crossbell and Erevania is if you finished Cold Steel 2 are intrinsically intertwined now. There, there's yeah. no escaping talking about one without the other, which is at this point, we're going to be at, after Aonokiseki, which means there's going to be talk of all the Crossbell events coming up to it because leading into that. So it's going to be very, very, very hard to, for, it's very hard for me to visualize continuing Crossbell without talking about the stuff that happened in, cross, in the Zero Now. Even Cold Steel 2 couldn't bypass that anymore. Exactly. It was like, when you get... And this is actually one thing that bo- that kind of bothered me with Cold Steel 2. Now I'm delving... I'm diving headfirst into Cold Steel 2 spoilers. So, um, when you get into the... Warm. When you get into the, 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 the advertisement, or however you say the word, uh, the Gaiden, which since I know how to say that word. <laughs> um, <laughs> when you get into that section, and that brings up the whole Erebonia-controlled crossbell the the when it's under Erebonia territory um to me that's a unfortunate spoiler because a lot of the stuff in zero and owl has to do with crossbell and their independence and yeah. so to me it feels like once you go into it knowing that after playing cold steel 2 that crossbell is no longer independent because of Erebonia and cold steel 2 it kind of makes the the struggle in zero and owl feel a lot more empty Mm-hmm. I think if that makes sense, it's it's a mm. kind of a weird, a weird thing, but it kind of kind of uh, decreases the intensity of that struggle that they have for their independence. I think when you for go sure. to it knowing it, but well, it, 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 yeah. go ahead, go ahead. Well, the, the the problem with these games is that they take place at the same time. So if you play <laughs> Zero and Al before the Cold Steel games. Mm-hmm. Uh, most, if not all of uh, the first Cold Steel will feel like a deflated experience because you know what's going to happen anyway. Um, uh, and that, that's one of the problems I had. And I had, and I was forewarned by Floofy. Uh, and when she told, well, you might want to take a little break between Al and um, uh, Senokiski, so, so Cold Steel, um, because it's not on the same level of excitement. Uh, mm-hmm. And nothing's really going to happen that will surprise you anyway. Uh, <laughs> and, she was, and she was right. Yeah, yeah that's it's, right. Another thing, though, is that uh, Aono Kiseki is easily one of the most hype-intense games in the series. Yeah, so far. it has very it's, high highs. It, it's 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 the that last chapter of Aono Kiseki is like 
you want to take all the plot twists of every Kiseki game you've seen, that whole holy crap feeling you get at the end of the game, and you want to compile every the hype you get from every single one of them into one chapter of a game. Aono Kiseki gives you plot twist after plot twist after plot twist after plot twist and never lets up during its final chapter. But but it's not even only in the final chapter. It just starts in the <laughs> the prologue is is completely hype and ah. And then you get the intermission, and there it starts. And then you get ch- chapter four, which is probably the most intense chapter in the series oh, to date. That start, that's the start of chapter four is... Oh, my gosh. I think I was... And you don't... There's, there's very little combat at the start of chapter four. And most of it is you're sitting along for the ride, and I was having to pick... I was just... Had my jaw on the desk, like... What? No! No. Yeah, the, the way that events unfolded out no Kiseki and the, the, the deliberate choreography of it and what the, what they decide to show you and which, mm-hmm. which segment of the, the conflict uh, they want to show you next. It's so meticulously designed. It, 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 it's so it's expertly crafted in, in yep. a way that storytelling in video games often doesn't touch. Well, you know what's actually really kind of funny is now that we're speaking with the topic of storytelling in video games real quick. I remember mm-hmm. Kondo was talking about the uh, about the PlayStation 3 and the introduction of the PlayStation 4. I think it was last year or something. Because yeah, it was the end of it was the end of 2015 because uh, he had an interview in Dengeki about about the PlayStation 4, and it was really interesting. You know what what game he said he was most excited for for PlayStation 4? It was Uncharted 4. Oh, okay. He said it because oh. he played Uncharted 3 and he said that he felt that Unch- the Uncharted series has perfected the marriage of gameplay and storytelling. I, and, yeah. And he believes that that's, that's something that to look, for, to look up to with what they're trying to pull with Kiseki. And I, huh. he, he really believes in the concept of trying to merge gameplay and storytelling into one giant mess <laughs> and it's it's one of those and i i'm hoping i'm hoping we can find and it tells me that he's not he's not quite seeing what he wants to see with that yet when he's talking about that with uncharted so it sounds like he's trying to bring it in closer and i'm i would actually hope to see if he gets closer to what he's envisioning on that idea with sin 3 and when you think about it uh, through that like uh, context, like it makes a lot of more sense why this is PlayStation Four exclusive now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like it's really interesting, and I'm wondering if we're gonna see because uh, I'm gonna try to be very vague about one particular incident now, in Kiseki, because I mean clearly spoilers. Mm-hmm. But um, there's this one point when you get this, and it it's like you're you're kind of again been the on a ride for all the for all the events happening, and then all of a sudden you get a boss battle with a timer on it. Yes. And you're just kind of like, how am I supposed to do this in five minutes? And you kind of scramble learning, you kind of scramble figuring out the best way to skip everything and try to jump through everything, and you have no time to think, and it's just... And I think that was, on a meta level, incredible, because you're kind of still... You're, you you were side sideswiped by the whole fact you can't casually go through this fight, right? And that that to me on the whole, it's actually putting you into the same state of mind that the cast members are in, 
And I think that's a really good example of them pulling using gameplay to really, really emphasize the same feeling that the that the cast is feeling. And what you what you see with with Zero and Ao is that they take a lot of creative uh, um, new directions. They just try stuff, uh, and these time battles is just it comes up once I think, and it's mm-hmm. it's just a new take on on on. Um, on trying to convey the urgence of the situation. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, and in that regard, uh, and I, I've seen a lot of people uh, criticize this, is that there's a certain disconnect between uh, the fight you're having and the scene that follows. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you, you could be obliterating an enemy and you would still <laughs> get rescued or get beaten or end up uh, all tired after the battle. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that's one of the things Connor really wants to work on because he mm-hmm. knows it's a shortcoming of the series and he wants to work yes. on it. Uh, mm-hmm. And well, if he could use Uncharted 4 as a uh, as an example for Kisuke to follow, I'd be really happy. It, it's it's I think one of the most incredible moments I've seen in a game in a long time was I mean Uncharted 4 is definitely up there for one of my games of the year. It's um, the, I'm going to be vague cause this is in game stuff with that too, for obvious reasons. <laughs> um, the last battle of uncharted four, I think was an incredible, incredible emotional and stressful. And it was like, it may, it brings, I was stressed out trying to figure, cause you're, you're trying to figure out something new. Yeah, and same here. I, I remember getting stressed out at that final battle. I, you were stressed out, and I mean, it's you. You can. I mean, when you look at it, you look at all the details on that, and you realize that you're not the only one. It's Nate is stressed out too. Yeah, and it's this real neat way to make you feel the same way, feel thrown off, and trying to figure out your footing again, like Nate is in that scene. And I think that was a. And I would not be surprised if we see Kondo do something in the setting for Sin 3 that may have tried some sort of same kind of concepts. Like, because we've seen that they've tried it now. Um, what I would like to see is I've, I've, I, remember, I remember somebody with a very particular boss fight now, and they were just like, no, oh, I don't have to win this fight. Okay. And they let themselves get beat, and it's like, game over. What? <laughs> okay, I remember now. <laughs> it's 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 just so great seeing these things like that and just seeing people. I think I, I think there's also another and Al has a lot of a lot of gimmicks in its fights. And I think that was actually really good. It changes the monotony that the Kiseki system can have. Mm-hmm. Um oh, I, you just reminded me of the peppers. The peppers, oh god. Oh, the peppers. <laughs> The Al also brings in completely new st- status effects that will never be that have never been used again. That you never have any warning of them, and you have no. It's, oh, oh, I know, I know. Sorry. <laughs> he wants to talk too. Apparently, Al got him all hyped up. Despite wait, wait, wait. Yeah, I did have him when Al Nokiseki came out, didn't I, little boy? Aww. <laughs> so, um. But it's just, they do a lot of things, and it's like, oh my gosh, the fight with the peppers. And it's like, <laughs> you're getting completely trolled left and right, and you're just kind of like, I, I didn't have the trouble with the peppers. I had the trouble with my S-Craft hitting a party member and killing them. 
No. <laughs> I was, I was like, how did that happen? I, what? Because it was just like, I was completely floored. And it was just like, what? <laughs> so I, there's a lot of, there's a lot riding on Sin 3 here because I think Falcom has a big history of what they have pulled in the past. And I would like to see them pull this crap again. <laughs> because it was just phenomenal. So there you go. That's also one of the, well, the only reason I, I'm happy they took their time for Sentry. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was like Zero no Kisiki and, and Al, is they really thought things through. Uh, they took their time, took a step back, uh, and, and used uh, the time they had to just go in a completely new direction and introduce stuff they never tried before. Mm-hmm. But on a really thoughtful way, does that make sense? Yeah, it does, um, and it's. Like I mean, the, it's... the fight with the peppers and the the <laughs> time battles were brilliant in in the context of the game. Basically, and then there's the uh, there's the um, the fact is that the last time we had a three year wait between Kiseki games, we got zero no Kiseki. We got zero now. The last time there was a three year wait, so. And I remember uh, Falcom made it clear that they were trying to change the direction of East with East 8, and it was phenomenal. Just. Yes. So with them saying that this is going to be a keystone game of the Kiseki series, like a big, big mark earmark for the series, this is that statement right there just hypes me through the roof. Because I, I feel like if they're going to try to pull the same stuff that they did with East 8, but for the Kiseki series, this is going to be incredible. Yeah. I can't even imagine just like, the <laughs> amount of excitement like that people have been waiting for this game. Just they're, they're, like This, like, said 3 seems like the ultimate culmination of, like, all the lessons they've learned throughout not only the, the Trio series, but also with every other property that they've had. Kind of like almost like mixed into one. Uh, it's it's gonna be like one of those. It's like this is the this product is ultimately a personification of where we are as a company today. It almost feels like that to me. Yeah, I, think, I, I it, think that's. Mm-hmm. I, I think East Eight also felt like that um, because if you compare it to well, Celsetta or well, even um, Gold Steel Two or Tokyo Xenadu. Uh, is such a leap forward, um, just on every level. The uh, the plot is going in crazy directions. Um, uh, the the way uh, quests are structured uh, is more incorporated in the main story. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, fishing is actually fun. Uh, <laughs> oh my gosh, I, I got obsessed with fishing. <laughs> Well, you can't have a Falcom game without fishing, right? I know, right? <laughs> fishing has been such a staple so thanks to second chapter with the Kiseki series. So, and then of course, I think what we're going to see, I think I think part of the fishing system in East was done the way it is to keep the pacing of East. Mm. Whereas I feel like people with Kiseki are going to probably want to sit back more than anything if that makes sense. So it was getting kind of frantic and sent in Cold Steel too, as well with the whole button mashing. Yeah. All right. 
so that's uh, Sen no Kiseki 3 coming out slated for fall or was it summer or fall of next year in fall. Japan? September 28th. <laughs> September 28th. <laughs> I should one Maybe of September 28th. Random, I should one of these days just put September 28th on my website and see if anybody notices. <laughs> <laughs> I probably shouldn't though because apparently people use that as an actual release date calendar. Oh. <laughs> um and there's also one other project that you guys have picked up <laughs> um, for the Falcom fans out there. Of course, uh, Trails of the Sky the Third is coming out next year. But after that, there's no plans to localize the the Crossbell arc of Zero Nokiseki and Ao Nokiseki. But you two, along with uh, our good friend Yotaka, have picked up the translation efforts uh, for the Zero Nokiseki fan translation. I think we have, yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. we have, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, Juan, it, it, Juan it feels that, like that. that great post, uh, obviously ripping on uh, Osborne's. <laughs> I'll be taking over that <laughs> Phantom Blaze project of yours. Yeah, if you guys want to give a little bit of background how you guys uh, got that project uh, and to just the progress and maybe like a like a, what are your goals for it? Let's say. Um. Well, well, I... I was originally part of the team until February, uh, and then I uh, got in a di- disagreement with the project lead, and I left. Uh, and then he also sort of left, or at least he's, <laughs> he's been missing from the forums for like five, six months now. Uh, so Fluffy poked me and said, well, maybe we should just take like... it over then. Yeah, I was just like, <laughs> I was like... Are they seriously going to release in December? Because they had mentioned that they were going to do that, and I remembered seeing somebody yep. send me a little bit saying they're going to release in December regardless of the completion of the project. Hmm. And I was just like, you want to take this over over to, to Guan? And I was like, this would be, we could jump in. I would have to put Translation Tuesday on indefinite hold because there's no way I'm going to be able to focus on a game and other translations at the same time. So I'm just like, do you want to do you want to work on this? And so it was just like, it turned into us. And we told, uh, uh, we told one of our buds over in the translation team to try to convince flame to hold off on his release. Flames the hacker. Yeah. Flames, the hacker from the original group. And so we were just like, we're trying to get him to hold off. And I was like, well, I don't want to release until after the shareholder meeting, because I don't want to be, Sideswiped by Falcom suddenly randomly announcing, oh, we're going to be releasing Aono Kiseki for PC, because if that happened, uh, if that happened, that was basically the green light for XSeed to go ahead and get it. Because that, that's pretty much the primary issue with Crossbell at the moment for XSeed, is that uh, Aono Kiseki is pretty much out of, out of their accessibility at the moment. And there's no use in releasing Zero no Kiseki without Aono Kiseki. Nope. <laughs> so... I was just like, let's wait till the shareholder meeting, and there we go. And then right after the shareholder meeting, this is really what pushed me to really go further with it, is that there was that little email that's been going around, that screenshot of an email from uh, Ken that somebody, when somebody emailed asking about Zero no Kiseki, and Ken emailed back saying, well, it doesn't look good. And, of course, you can take that, it, take that at face value. You have no clue whether how much he means with that, you know. But, of course, everybody is freaking out over it, and I'm just like, we should step in. And so I just, as soon as I saw that, I'm told, I told Juan, I'm in. Let's do this. Yep. Be- because, let me, uh, there's a little, I want to go into a quick 
bit about this. Because I think a lot of things with the Kiseki fandom, with the Trails fandom in English, um, there needs to be a lot of uh, positive thinking about it. We can't let the the fandom go down into negativity or anything because that's going to, of course, affect the fandom. And, of course, that's going to eventually affect Exceed because Exceed is so intrinsically involved in it with being the release, the official English publisher for the Trails games. So, both, uh, well, Guan, Yotaka, and I have all said that if Exceed ever announces any intention to go for it, we will immediately drop our project. There, There's no question about that. Um, right. But as long as we have it, we have, we're managing to keep it going. We're going to keep it from being too terrible, I hope. <laughs> and Eddie Buzz, uh, no one is more qualified for a fan translation than you three, for <laughs> thank sure. Thank you very much. Um, but there's on top of the fact that they, people are going to be at least hopeful of a fan translation coming out. We're going to slow it down because we won't be able to play third at the very least outside of our editing. So outside mm. of the time for editing, we don't want people to play zero until after third. That's at least what I believe anyway. And I mean, it make just makes sense because the development yeah. of zero Falcom started developing zero before they did third. And they were just like, wait a second, we need to put another game in first. And then they started developing third, then went back to zero. Oh, gosh, you stupid clock. <laughs> <laughs> so um, the uh, I'm just going to talk right through it. I don't care. Um, so basically, I don't want I don't want people to jump into zero first. I want people to actually play third first because there is a lot of stuff in third that will lead into zero and lead into Al. And um, but as long as we have I wouldn't be so I wouldn't be upset if Exceed announces it because in a sense we have managed to maintain some positivity with the fandom. Mm -hmm. And that's the big thing for me is I want to keep the fandom positive. I want to keep because goodness gracious, this is the best fandom I've ever been in. Everybody's so funny. Everybody's so positive. And I love discussing theories with people all the time on the Falcom discord. It's easily some of the best chatting I've ever had. And this, this positivity that Falcom fandom typically has there, there are the salty people there. Don't get me wrong. There are the salty people and there are the assholes and every fandom is going to have that. But, um, <laughs> there is a great, great fun nature to this fandom, and the people who are the people who are angry about it just don't really get it. Just don't. They're just. I think the people who are angry are just too trying to be too serious and too important, and they don't. They don't. They're not willing to let go and have fun. Because I think that's a lot of the a lot of the big stuff with the Falcon fandom is people. Or there's a lot of shit posters in it. Then <laughs> if you step back and just take the shit posters at face value and have fun with them, well, there you go. And it's 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 like like those like that that <laughs> I have a, a a meme picture I posted from what somebody said. I don't even remember who originally said it on the Discord, but it was the the Bank of Rain gives no fucks. <laughs> 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 and so I had this screenshot of Reen in boxers with a teddy bear right on the crotch and I put his goggles on and I put that on nice. there and I put the text on it it's the best image ever I love it So, um, but it's the fact that this fandom that I can't take full credit for that because I that's a quote from somebody actually on discord that I ran with on that 
And I want to, it's again, this, this positive fun aspect. If we have somebody if with Ken's email going around that screenshot of that email, that's going to cause a big negativity. Oh no, we're never going to get it. We're never going to play it. The only translation we're going to have is a, is, is, you know, that sort of thing. So if they, if people know that we're working on it, um, and we keep in communication. That's one of the big things I want to do is I want to keep an open door of communication mm. with people while we work on this. If we yep. keep a communication going, we can keep people hyped and keep people going and keep people excited. And then suddenly Exceed announces and we're like, we're done. Exceed, you take on. And that 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 negativity never has a chance to spawn. Yep. And that's part of the reason why I wanted to step in and be like, we need to keep things going. So there you go. I also... I also think that the project is uh, fueled by enthusiasm from from fans uh, because Absolutely. when we first announced it, the reaction was just overwhelming. I thought, well, maybe we'll get some responses on Twitter, but it was just insane. It was. Um, it was. We're, I, go ahead. Yeah? <laughs> uh, it's it's really that motivation that that drives us to to keep working on this mm-hmm. uh, because people ask us, well, can we donate money? No, if you want to give us money, buy more Trills games so that uh, Exit can take over from us uh, and officially uh, localize it so we can work on other stuff and continue doing what we were doing for our Translation Tuesday. Yeah. Um, but really, it's just fueled by uh, the enthusiasm of, of fans uh, well, everywhere on, on, on Twitter, Discord, um, Reddit, everywhere. <laughs> I've been I, I've been inundated with questions left and right since we announced it. I'm just like, you need to go to this person. You need to go to this person. Oh, I don't know about this one. Let me find out and that sort of thing. So, <laughs> um, one of the things I've I've been proposing for us to do is to do kind of like a monthly post about our updates and stuff like that somewhere. I haven't quite figured out where yet. Uh, I'm I'm still looking in on that part. So. <laughs> But it sounds like I'm I'm freaking excited right now, just like hearing you guys like this. (laughs) It's it's very inspirational, you know. Like it really speaks to like the spirit of this, you know, uh, series because like the fans that surround it it very much embody the themes and the messages that are conveyed in the trail series. Absolutely, a lot of of, like you know inspiration, a lot of creativity, Uh, just uh, just. It's something that you don't see much like in like universally all around like in, in a fandom. It's it's quite something special. It really is. I do agree that it is a very special thing. And it's, like I just said, it really is one of the best fandoms I've ever been involved in. It's, I, I've, I'm, I'm going to just, there's a, 2016 has been a very, very, very hard year for me. And this fandom is part of what's kept me on my feet. These people have been absolutely absolutely incredible and supportive and oh my gosh it's just been one of the most amazing experiences i've had running endless history especially in this past year it's been if you followed my website you've noticed that i've been very sporadic in my ability to write for it because this has just been a very hard year for me so the fact of the matter is that everybody everybody stayed behind me for it and it was that i can't ever say enough to them for that because I appreciate that so much. It's incredible. And just, I, I don't know how many fandoms would have actually gotten back behind me so, like 100% like that. 
So I feel I feel very appreciative for being part of it, and I just like it's amazing. It's very amazing and inspirational. Yeah, thank you, thank you to both of you for like all your hard work. <laughs> on just you're very welcome. Just like get, getting the word out there, especially just uh, fans internationally, like you know, just even. Like even just story summaries of say from Akatsuki or just uh, even translating Orbman tables, just like little things like that, like add <laughs> up and like it, like it, 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 like it gives people like you know a source, like you know, it gives them like a chance to like experience these games that you know if they if they've never even gotten like English releases, just just a, another mm-hmm. place to like you know look at it and say okay, at least I have these guides to, like help me get through these, whether there's no English release or not. Mm-hmm. It's just that those little details add up, and it just makes me all the more appreciative that, like, you know, a lot of people get to experience this this series that, like, you don't see much in, like, in any, like, game. This uh, this concept of, like, uh, this, this epic RPG tale told through, like, arcs. Oh, it's... Different it's... platforms. It's, it's, it's definitely something that should be experienced by well, I remember RPGs. I remember before X-Seed got it, um... I was involved at the panel at Otakon once. Tom, this was before Tom was even hired by XSEED. Tom and I were both speakers at the panel. And just before oh, the I panel. Remember. Just before the panel. Oh, shut up, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> just before the panel, um, there was a. Um, Tom had actually been re- reaching out to various publishers and so forth about the uh, Sword Okiseki first chapter because this is before Zero even came out. So I think it was just right when Third had come out and they were coming out for PSP and Tom started pinging different publishers. And this is one of the most incredible things that we had ever heard. This is why I say to be, don't to not take Ken's email 100% at face value because when Tom emailed XSeed, they emailed him back saying this game is too big, it would break us. And they couldn't, they basically straight up said, we can't afford to do this. There's too much text and releasing the first game obligates you into a trilogy. And I mean, all things considered, he is correct on that. It's because of the way the series is written, which is, and people have called Falcom mad for doing this. <laughs> well, they, they are. Have, they are. They are completely mad. It's, it's, I remember, and I mean, this is going to be even more funny as I remember when, uh, uh, this is not Falcon for a moment, but TV. This is Lost, the TV series. I remember when ABC first started working on it, started releasing it, um, reviewers were like, we love this show, but ABC is mad for making something so serialized because you absolutely had to see the previous week to follow the next episode. And this was right. really the beginning of serialized television coming back as it was that you actually had to be actively involved in the series to keep up with it. And it look at how long it took TV to figure this out. Mm-hmm. It, it took them a very long time instead of doing like the episodic nature of the big popular shows that were going on in the past. But, um, and I mean, even now, even if you look in the stuff with like, the the writing for Stargate, uh, MGM went and let them make it too serialized because they had to make it to where anybody could step in at any point in the series. Um, but when ABC, when they finally let J.J. Abrams pick up but at the idea that he had for Lost and then 
Damon, Damon Lindelof and Carlton Keyes jumped in on it. Everybody called them completely insane because there was like, there's, there's no way they could do it. And then look what Lost did. It's just, it snowballed into how many shows do we have going now that are serialized? Man, it feels like every one of them now. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's incredible to see what, and and so, on the other hand, because of the process and the expense and the time put into a game, it's even more insane because they have to be able to make it so that people can access the previous games. And Falcom, in Japan, has done a phenomenal job in ensuring that that pretty much up to Sin Three, every single game is accessible on the Vita right now. And so I think that come Sin 3, they're going to start doing... I mean, once Sin 3 is out, they're going to get that out first, I'm pretty sure. And then once that out, that is out, they're going to start bringing in all the other games and slowly bringing them up to date again and making them all accessible once again. Because, I mean, once they get the new game out, then they could start backtracking because that's what they did with the, other, with the other games is that they were able to, like, okay, we're going to bring them out this way and stuff like that. So it's a... It's kind of this interesting little, okay, we're going up the next step. Let's pull everything up with us. And so as a result, because of the nature of the game industry, it makes it so much more insane and difficult to do that. But the fact that Falcom has found their gold mine with it is really exciting. So this is, I mean, Kiseki series is their phenomenal. Sin 2 broke every one of Falcom's sales records when it came out. And so I'm pretty sure I, I'm. I actually have. I have no fears of the same of Falcom having issues with Sin Three jumping platforms. I'm because I've seen them jump platforms, and it just got better. The sales just got better when they jumped from uh, uh, from PC to P, uh, to PlayStation Portable to PSP, and then it just kept going up and up when they jumped from PSP to Vita and PS3, and so. I'm going to guess that there's going to probably be a little bit of a hiccup, but it's just going to just skyrocket once they get it all onto one system and all centralized and everything. And I think that's really exciting to look forward to. Man, that rambled too long. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. No, it's great. Uh, so on the Zero no Kiseki fan translation, uh, what platforms are you uh, guys expecting for it? Are you expecting the PC and PSP or just PC? Uh, we're currently working with the PHP script, um, so that will be our, our primary focus. Uh, doesn't mean we're excluding the other platforms, uh, because one of the new hackers we brought in um, is actually taking care of the PC port. Uh, he's already started backporting voices from the uh, Evolution version, so the PS Vita one. Uh, and I think it's not impossible to also get the translation into the Vita version uh, with the recent exploits of uh, Henkaku. Oh, yeah, that's right. Vita. Mm -hmm. So uh, hopefully everything. <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> yeah, certainly. Uh, good luck, definitely. Uh, we're all rooting for you. I'm sure every uh, Kiseki fan out there, every Trails fan is super hopeful that you know this project uh, it's just it's now in the right hands and we're all just uh we're all praying you know um uh, 
I do want to add in one more thing is that once mm-hmm. we'll get, because yeah. I, I do I do really want to do this communication thing for people so that they can see it rather than just coming onto our Discord or being on Twi- uh, Reddit or Twitter or whatever. I want to make a central place for it, but I mean, I'm still in the process of figuring it out. So um, okay. we'll probably start tweeting it once we have it. it. It will probably end up being in the form of a blog somewhere or something. I don't know yet. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll figure something so- out in that aspect. Well, in a way, nice. it is Kisaki crack, right? What we're doing? Um, I, um, I might actually make. I've been one of the things I've been thinking about is making a subdomain on endless history specifically for it. Zero so, history. Zero history. I, I think it would be fun to do like azproject.asteria.net. <laughs> you sure you want to include the A already? <laughs> I don't know. You're the one that put it in the meme, though. <laughs> You're the one that put it somewhere else. I saw it from you first. Yeah, concealed from the public. So, uh, <laughs> uh, well, like everyone knows, these these games are just enormous, and I think uh, Zero Nokiski is totaling at um, 1.6 million Japanese characters. Jesus. Um, huh. So that's larger than uh, Cold Steel 1 and Cold Steel 2. Uh, so I'm really happy to be working on it with the three of us instead of just one person. <laughs> three of us working on it is going to make it so much easier. So you can kind of split the workload, but it's still still larger than uh, every one of the, the Garkar of games. Uh, so the trilogy before uh, Kisaki. Uh, so yeah, it's it's, it's going to take a lot of time, but it's but it's really rewarding to work on it. And uh, I sometimes share little blurbs uh, that I've been experimenting with uh, on the Discord um, because it, we really need to find uh, this tone of voice for a lot of characters. Uh, like for example, uh, uh, Wazy, Wazy, Lazy. <laughs> oh, Wazy is so uh, great. So, but, but, but then I just asked Fluffy, okay, how do we translate his? <laughs> um, <laughs> do we make it a hee hee, a ha ha, a ha ha? Uh, because he's, he's laughing. laughing. I hate laughing. He's laughing the entire game, and we need to come up with a consistent <laughs> uh, yeah. way to put it. Localization problems 101. Yep, yep. And then there's, uh, I've been playing around in the mess that's the monster table. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> and. I've actually been going through scripts because we have a uh, script dumps for the for the Xseed releases, and I've been going through to make sure if there's an enemy that's come in the other games to make sure the name it the same as them, so that there's consistency there. Right. So sometimes, so with each enemy name I get to, I go into a Google search, throw it in there, and if I see it comes up in Sora or Sin, I immediately go, okay, let's pull up the Xseed scripts. And go in from there, and then so that's my first pass was going through doing just that. And then I've noticed that um, I think there was a somebody sent me a screenshot of one of the English batches in there, and it completely broke the line count. <laughs> and then I realized that the original, that the translated script that they had actually, and I've, I looked at it, and I'm like, okay, they only allow for four lines of text describing the enemy uh, for the enemy descriptions and I've noticed that so many of them break into five lines and I'm just like well we got to figure that one out and 
reword things and make it more concise and just trim it down. And I, I recently put in a dastardly fluff into the palm description because we can't let go of Jess's, <laughs> Jess's wonderful description of the palms. Because <laughs> that, that really is a wonderful description of them. Awesome. That that pretty much wraps up the whole <laughs> Falcom shareholder and the little the little Kirsten Zero no Kiseki fan translation. Thank you. Thank you, Kirsten. Thank you, Guan, for joining me in You're this welcome. special Tetracast Extra episode. You can find us over at RPGsite.net, over at Twitter at RPG Site, over at youtube.com slash RPG Net, Facebook at Facebook.com slash RPG Net. Uh, at, over at iTunes, uh, just search up TetraCast. Of course, we have our Discord, discord.me slash RPG site. And where can we find you folks over at the internet, both on Twitter, websites? Where can we find you? Um, I'm under at OMG Floofy, and then my website is at Endless History. Straightforward there. And I can be found at GU4M. So that's basically my name with the A swept for a 4. Um, and I'm usually hanging around on Discord, Twitter, uh, do some NeoGAF posting. <laughs> I try to follow Reddit. It's not really into my system yet. <laughs> and you can uh, find me over at HDKirin, at uh, H-D-K-I-R-I-N. Thank you so much. You guys have a wonderful day, wonderful week, and a happy, happy new year. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.